Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. We have another massive legend of a guest. It is Keys One. He has a huge YouTube channel. So if you've been living under a rock for the past little while and you don't know who he is, go check him out on YouTube, Keys One. Now, we're shooting this after his podcast, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of how that went down. First of all, he was super hungover, trying not to swear. And actually, after the podcast, me and him went out for a couple of beers, and by a couple, I mean 15. So uh, I was extremely hungover on the next podcast, and we're going to show you that intro with John Gibbons, but my God, he was feeling it as well. And he was almost like, I don't know if we should air it, but let's give you a recap about that podcast and what we discussed. Basically, I wanted to understand his creative process, why he got behind becoming a YouTuber, his move from South Korea to Thailand and his brief time in Australia and how this all actually encompassed and came together of his channel keys one now you're seeing him around bangkok mostly but he's in pattaya a lot as well he was just down in phuket uh depending on when this airs we're kind of going to be aligning the same type of content so we hope you enjoy don't forget if you're tired of listening to me ramble we got timestamps below those are chapters for you you can navigate different chapters and find content that maybe you want to watch we also have a clips channel fruiting body podcast clips a uh, little bit about us, Fruiting Body Podcast is a medicinal mushroom lifestyle company located on the island of Phuket. So we're doing supplements like lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps. You can find it all at www.fruiting-body.com. Our products you can buy right off Lazada, so you don't got to deal with a website and registering and all that bullshit. Um, anything else? I think that's all. So let's get this podcast started. Okay, thanks, Adam, for uh, joining us today. I, I know you're you're uh, in Patong at the moment, enjoying uh, the fruits of Phuket. A little bit too much. A little yes. bit too much. Um, before we jump right into it, uh, wh why are you down in Phuket right now? Just visiting? Uh, yeah, I had a mate uh, who he's Aussie, but he lives in Vietnam, uh, and he wanted a holiday, came to Thailand. So we we've come here many times. Like we used to sort of travel here, um, and it's easy for him to fly direct in. So. Where is he? Is he in uh, Ho Chi Minh or Da Nang? Yeah, yeah, Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh, yeah. I, I, I saw you went out to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah right? I just I spent some time there a little while ago. I yeah, love, a bunch, it, love Vietnam. A bunch of the vloggers went out there. I saw Patty, uh, Esquire's out there now. Yeah. Uh, and Gary, why, why, Gary was there. Why were you guys, was it kind of just like, you know, we needed to change from Thailand and Vietnam was an interesting place to get content? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, now that everywhere's starting to open up, it's... Yeah. it's just like, it's an easy choice. Just push that mic up a bit. Yeah, yeah I think that's good. Up. Yeah, okay, we're good. Um, yeah, yeah. it's it's an easy choice. It's cheap to fly there. Um, and it's awesome. I, re I really enjoy Vietnam. Yeah, where did you go? Uh, I stayed Saigon pretty much most of the time. And then I went down south because I wanted to go to the beach. Um, went, went to check out the closest beach. And I, I actually really enjoyed it there, Vung Tau. Um, and I had a great time there. And that's why, yeah. Yeah, I think Vong Tao. It's it's not it's not like it's not as south as is it Puk Pukwok? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not great with it all down Pukok there. Pukwok is like uh, an island. <laughs> Apparently, it's supposed to be like Phuket. I, I've been to Vietnam once, I think three or four years ago. But I'd love to go back. I went at the worst time. I went in February or January. It was, oh man, it was so cold. 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 Yeah. If you go to Vietnam around the China New Year, so let's say the right. end of January, yeah. yeah, it's chilly. Especially if you're on the motorbike and it can be raining. I just remember, yeah, it, was a, it definitely wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Did you make your way up to Halong Bay? No, I haven't been up that way yet. Yeah, yeah it's gorgeous up there. I did a, 
a boat tour for five days and oh, nice. I don't I don't know. I don't remember much. I mean I've been in Asia <laughs> so long and this all kind of blends together. Um okay, so we're gonna kind of take take it back a notch. Um can you explain to us the process of what were you doing in Australia? What brought you to South Korea and an inevitably inevitably you ended up in Thailand. Tell us that yeah. story. So yeah, I was back working in Australia. I worked in hotels. I uh, got into the corporate side. I was at quite a high level. Um, but I always wanted to live overseas. Um, I always wanted to have that experience of living somewhere abroad. And even if it was just a year, I would have been cool with that. So I left in 2017, moved to South Korea with not a huge plan. Um, I had about enough money to last me a year, or I thought that's what thought that's what I had. And, and I was just going to go over there and see if we can figure something out. Um, at that time, my Instagram was kind of blowing up in Korea for whatever reason. Um, and I was in attracted to that. And I just wanted to see where that would take me. Um, and I ended up doing all sorts of random things there. I was doing like TV acting and extra work. It's just like the token white guy, basically. Um, and then I'd, I'd, you know, I'd probably still be living in Korea if it wasn't for the pandemic. I got stuck out of there basically. And Thailand was just about the only place open. Um, and I thought I'd come here and then spend a little bit of time here and then bounce back to Korea, but now I've fallen in love with the place and it's home. Yeah, I saw that now. Your story, you're originally actually dating a Korean girl in Australia. Yes. And you've explained in the past. Uh, there's there's a, a podcast um, you, you just did with a guy. What, what's his name again? Um, the Raw Unfiltered. Uh, we'll put links in the description. Yeah. I was watching that. It's very interesting. It was. I thought it was very in-depth into your life. So I would suggest for people that want to really dive into the full story, go go watch that out. Link in the description to that podcast. Now, you were talking about you were dating this very rich Korean, South Korean girl, yes. but not materialistic. And now, did you go with her to South Korea? Is there a reason what drew, drew you to South Korea? Is there I, any connection there? Well, I learned about Korea from her um, and I became interested in the culture. I started to like the music, like not K-pop, but I like Korean hip hop. Um, and it was, yeah, Korea was just a country that I became really interested in. So I actually never went there with her. Um, I went two or three times before living there. Um, and I just, it was so different. It's so different to Australia in every way. So that's why, that's that's one of the things that really attracted me to it. Yeah, it's, I've been to Seoul. I've been to North Korea. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, I played what ice. Was that I, like? Oh, I told this story on the podcast quite often, but kind of the, the short version. Um, we got invited with a Japanese hockey team. I was living in China to go play against the North Korean provincial hockey team of Pyongyang. And we flew from Beijing, we went in. So we got like this red carpet treatment. It was awesome. But essentially, like, if you just type in North Korean tour on YouTube, they're going to show you this video. That's all you can see, mm. which is, it's normal. It's a normal city. I mean, they can't put a show on for everyone. It's an operating city, but yeah. basically it's just uh, tons of statues and propaganda. Um, but we did get to see the side of, you know, playing ice hockey. We didn't go to the countryside or anything like that. And I think we were there three days or something. But um, yeah, it was interesting. There's some funny stories I'm, there. About I'm fascinated by it. I'd love to go. Yeah, it's, but again, just go type in like North Korea tour. Mm. Go watch that. That's all you're going to see when you're there. Right. There's really nothing outside of that. Unless I heard you can do the train to the Chinese border. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think you can film when you do that. Because uh, you're going to the countryside. 
Um, I also played ice hockey in, in Seoul in South Korea. Did you ever go to a baseball game in South Korea? I did, yes. Unreal. I, and you know what? Like baseball, I'd, I'd never like really watched a game. It's not popular in Australia. And um, I always thought it'd be kind of boring. And I had a great time there. I like, really enjoyed it. Yeah, by the end, like you're, I'm like 12 beers deep and you think you know every song and <laughs> or you get right into it. I mean, the South Korean uh, baseball experience, I've been in Asia 12 years, is probably one of the best experiences I've had in Asia. Right. You, no one's really watching the game. They got the two teams like separated. They both have their bands and they're playing their songs and going along. It's, and they got hot dogs there. I thought it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, you were in South Korea, correct me if I'm wrong, almost four or five years ago. Yes, right? five years ago, yeah. And you stayed there for about two, three years? Two, yeah, well, up until 2020. Right, right yeah. up until 2020. Now, that experience, it's quite different than the typical, I don't want to say white white guy, whatever, as we leave our home countries. Mm. Usually the, the transition is always teaching English. Now, you kind of, I was assuming maybe you were teaching English in South Korea, but no, you kind of went in with this um, no plan, essentially, as you've explained many, many times on your on your YouTube channel, you don't have a plan. You kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. Now, when you went to South Korea with this plan, okay, I got enough money to last the year. I'm going to kind of find my way and take on things that can, you know, so you don't blow through the budget. Mm. But you never took the decision to teach English. Why was that? I didn't want to work at all, really. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to work. I didn't want to have like a commitment. Um, so like that's that's what I liked about when I was doing the acting and the extra work it was sort of whenever I wanted um, and if I didn't feel like working I didn't have to work so I, I just wanted the freedom really yeah and now I didn't realize that you kind of just explained that you you blew up more on Instagram than before you even started your YouTube I saw some of your early videos if not your first where you're kind of doing these you know how to spend $150 in a week right, in yeah. South Korea and there's a huge transition in production and everyone's ability from, you know, where they begin to today. Everybody, I mean, you can blanket statement that. Now, what made you decide to start vlogging in South Korea? Uh, I enjoy making videos. It was just a hobby. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, if you, any, anyone that puts a video on YouTube, you hope it does well. But I wasn't expecting to become a YouTuber because of it. I actually, years ago, I had a channel that did really well and I deleted it. Uh, I didn't know. So I, I, I told you I like Korean hip-hop. There's a, a Korean hip-hop TV show. It's like a The Voice type thing, but for hip-hop. Um, so I'd watch it and react to it before reaction videos were a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, I had a reaction channel throughout, the, um, throughout this TV show that went for like 10 weeks or whatever. And my videos were getting like 40,000, 50,000 views a video. And I, but I didn't know you could monetize. I was just like, just doing it for fun. And kind of hoping to grow my Instagram from it. And then when the show finished, I just, I was, I was done with it and I deleted the channel. And because it was so successful, I guess my, my thinking was like, oh, it's easy. Like you just upload a video and, and, and YouTube does the rest. And it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, as I'm sure yep. you know. So yeah, it was just a funny journey. Um, and, and I had a great channel and I did absolutely nothing with it. Why did you delete it? What was the reason? I was just I was finished with it. Like you didn't just want to leave it out there. I or? don't know. Like okay. I, it, I, I really can't. I can't tell you. Like because I do think about that sometimes. I'm like, why, why, why would I have done that? Um, it was a great channel, great views, and everything. Yeah, because you can watch some YouTubers and some YouTube channels. What they'll do is they'll buy existing accounts to piggyback off of that have like 
irrelevant content, but they have the subscribers and um, that probably would have been a great transition for what you were starting as well. Yeah. Um, as you got into vlogging and you're going out now, it, from my understanding is you didn't do that much content in South Korea mm. compared to what you've done in Thailand. Primarily, were you focused on Instagram? Was this your your main uh, idea and concept to maybe generate revenue? Uh, yes. You know, I was getting like some sponsorships from clothing companies and stuff through Instagram, but I was just more interested in where that was going to take me. And I didn't know where that was. Um, and, and YouTube was just a hobby. It's just something I did for fun. Whereas when I moved here to Thailand, I was 100% committed to, to making it and making a living from it. So. Any new YouTuber and specifically your content, it's more like a day in a life vlog. You're, yep. re you're really showing, and I, I was, I, it was interesting to hear you say that I don't think of the, you know, putting what I'm going to create for the content. You're living your day-to-day -day life and then the content kind of follows that, yes. um, which is much different than, let's say, guys like Esquire or, or Chris Parker or Patty Doyle or, you know, Mickey Stoke. These people, they kind of have a plan and a direction. Mm -hmm. Now, when you came to Thailand and you were planning to build this YouTube channel or, let's say, take it to the next level... Was that your goal? I'm going to just continue vlogging in Thailand and see how to monetize that. Yes. Um, and what I wanted is kind of what I'm doing now. But it, you can't start like that because you need to build a relationship with the audience. And, um, you know, just if you just start making daily life videos, people are going to be like, well, why would I watch this guy? Um, so for me, the videos that started doing well were like informative ones during the pandemic and updates and letting people know what was happening here. And then you build the audience and then I was able to, you know, start doing more of the daily life stuff and, and people stuck around for it. There's a certain point your content and every YouTuber can kind of, you know, uh, agree with this. Um, let's call them uh, house tours and how much does this rent cost and how can I spend $5 in Bangkok and how far will this money go? And those videos always do well. Some of your top videos, you're usually involved with a female friend Yes. And um, this can be in South Korea. This can be in Philippines and Thailand. When did you decide like, okay, this, this type of content is doing very well and I'm going to lean into it? Um, you know, it just, well, actually, the first time I put a girl in the thumbnail, the video jumped up in views. Like I noticed that chalk and cheese difference. Um, but, but I never do them, like I enjoy doing the videos with the girls, but for me... It's, it's not for the views. And I actually get concerned. Like, I don't want to do too many in a row with girls because I don't want people to follow me yeah. for them. Um, so that's why I try and sort of break all that up. But I just, because I enjoy making videos, I want to make them with my friends. Um, that's what I'm passionate about. And I, I enjoy that experience. Now, when you're finding the, these, these female mm -hmm. friends, and I saw one in uh, the Philippines, you had two girls at yellow shirts they didn't talk much on on camera and this is probably one of the one of the first videos that really launched the channel yeah when you reach out to them are you explaining like what's going to be happening today yes you're doing the day in the life but how are you connecting with them originally so that one i was friends with those two girls anyway um and i've been sort of hanging out with them i've been to philippines a few times and i always hung out with them and they just wanted to sort of come along for the day mm -hmm. um and I didn't, like, I don't think they interacted with the camera at all. They were just sort of doing their yeah. thing and I was, I was filming it. Um, and I didn't know, like, I wasn't taking YouTube seriously then. It was just sort of for fun. So 
it's just a fun little video. I had you know only a handful of subscribers, so it's just a, a fun video for me to make mostly. When you're originally meeting them, and maybe this is a, a more difficult question, there's a lot of, um, I know a lot of friends here that will travel to the Philippines and they'll use the apps like Filipina or whatever. Right. We got people using Thai friendly. Is that how you're initially connecting to them? No, I mean, I know I've met everyone first. So, mm. I mean, I've used like Tinder and stuff to meet people, but um, uh, I think two of the videos that I did, they were actually like the first time we'd met. Um, but the rest of them, like I already knew the people before and then they'll see, like they'll suss me out and watch some of the other videos and stuff and I think they make the decision whether they want to do it or not. Have you had any trouble with them later in the future as uh, to frame that question? They may have had the intentions to be building their accounts and chasing clout and after they film, they might come back to you and say, hey, this video is doing quite well. What's in it for me? No, I haven't had any of that, thankfully. Um, but everyone that's been in my videos, I have a great relationship with. Um, it's it's more the the biggest challenge for them is building the trust to be uh, to relax on camera and to sort of be themselves. Because you know, I'm used to filming myself, but they don't want to ever look bad, right? Like why people take a hundred selfies to get the one shot, but once they see that I edit out the bits where they don't look good or whatever, you know. That builds the trust, and then they get much more natural on camera. Some of these videos, again, you'll be in the Philippines, then you're in Thailand, and there's different a variety of girls that are going to be on on th those vlogs for that day. Yeah. Do they ever take a look and go, hey, you know, they can scroll back and see there's maybe five different girls and maybe they're number six. Is that a question that comes to the table, and are they offended? Not really. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm very upfront when I meet people about... I mean, it's all out there anyway, so yeah. I can't really be secretive. All Just about all the girls that have been in my videos, they've all kind of met each other at, at different points. And, you know, they're all really good friends of mine. Um, at, but just when I do meet people, I'm very upfront, like right mm -hmm. from the beginning. But it's not like an Andrew Tate harem you're running here, no? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw one of the videos I watched yesterday. There was a girl that was kind of a real estate agent or working in real estate in Pattaya. Uh, she came to Bangkok and it was during the lockdowns and whatnot. And you made this video where you kind of went to her house and you were playing cards and I eating food. These relationships are, do they last longer or... Can you talk a bit about like what relationships have you continued with these girls maybe for a longer period of time? Yeah, so that girl that you're talking about, she was one of the first girls that I did videos with here in Thailand. Um, we're still fantastic friends. Uh, I was with her a couple of days ago. We still hung out. Um, and I mean, the other one that I had a lot, the, the girl with the pink, pink hair. Pink hair. Uh, K, yeah, K, 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 yeah. K. So she was my girlfriend. We yeah. actually went out for about four months. Um, and then after we broke up, we're still really, really close. You know, I hung out with her last week as well. So I, I mean, these are my friends. I genuinely care about them. So it's easy to maintain that relationship. And they're okay with the content. And yeah. Now, do you, watching guys that are um, maybe one of the, the top vloggers right now, and I mean, it's objective to say uh, guys like Esquire. Mm. When you're creating your content, do you do some research to see, hmm, what is he doing? Why is he being more successful on these videos? Is there anything I can take from that and kind of whether it's small things that you could touch on that you can incorporate into yours? I mean, I don't look at other, like Esquire or whatever. I don't look at what they're doing here. 
and try and model what I do on that. I just try and stick to what I'm doing because I I don't want my content, you know, I plan I plan like I don't plan my con. Uh, you're not playing. <laughs> yeah, you're, I understand. You're you're never like you said. You're you're saying to tomorrow. Uh, you're driving up here. Yeah, you got. You're filming, and you're just filming whatever the hell you're going to be doing in that That's day. Right, yeah, yeah. This is this is the north star of your content. Yeah. So I don't try and plan my day around my content. Yeah. is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, I try and decide. I kind of decide what do I want to do today, and how can I make a video from that. Yeah, and for today, so this will turn into maybe a piece of content. And how quickly can you turn that around in terms of your editing process and actually launching it to YouTube? I can do it same day. Same day. Um, I can. I usually have a couple in the bank. Um, I also like to, because like, I'm moving around all the time, I also like people not knowing where I am, if that makes sense. Like if I shoot down a Pattaya or, you know, when I come here, it'll be like a few days so I put out the first video here. Have you always done that or is, did that kind of come as you started to grow and people might have been trying to follow you? So it's, it's, I had this really interesting experience and I had hardly any subscribers at the time and I was sitting in, um, I was living in Pattaya during the, um, during the lockdowns and I was just like in my room editing one day and there was a knock at the door and I thought it was like housekeeping or something. So I've opened the door and it's just some guy and he's like, hey man, like I love your videos, can we hang out? And I was like, oh shit, like because I'd been showing my hotel and, and I'd obviously showed the room number or something of me walking out. And that's when I started to realize like, oh, you need to be careful about what you do and don't show. Yeah, have, have you, do you have like a community of vloggers that you share these stories with that you can, like a help group you can reach out to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in a group chat. Um, and it's like, we call ourselves like the YouTube support group. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, ha having a good network of um, YouTuber friends is, is really important because it's good to talk about these things. Um, Paddy Doyle's a mate of mine. Yeah. And, and I was with him last week and we were talking about this, um, you know, planning your day around the content and, and how much of an impact that can have. You know, he jumps on a bike and goes days and days on end. And it's like, that can be really draining. So, Yeah, I've seen, uh, sorry, grab some water if you're thirsty as well. Some of the guests, they, they'll come on and they're like, can I move? It's like, this is a podcast, be cool. free. Um, yeah, I mean, Paddy, I watch his content. I'm, it's, it's very overwhelming i can imagine for him and mm. i've heard guys like uh chad from cv media explain back in the day as well when chad was kind of doing more the like during the pandemic yeah. uh tours around isan and he said it's not really that fun and you wouldn't want to be with me because i might need to stop 50 times and retake the shot you don't want to be part of that tour i have mm. to do it on my own does patty say something similar as well yeah it's not as easy as it as it all looks and, and yes, it seems so glamorous, right? Like, oh, let's jump on a motorbike and go around the country. And, you know, I think, like, I've wanted to do bike tours, but I'm like, God, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, there'll be times where you'll be riding all day and there's nothing interesting to see or talk about. There's days where it rains. Yeah. You know, so it's, I think it's a lot more challenging and less glamorous than it looks. Yeah, I mean, I... I've thought about doing um, a vlog, but we're, we'll probably do something a little bit different. Um, we filmed a concept episode. It's called People of Phuket. And the idea of it is we filmed one. I, I just don't have the bandwidth to keep going on it yet, but eventually I'll get back into it. And the idea is the guests that come onto the show that are living in Phuket, or it could be anywhere in Thailand, but obviously easier with Phuket. The guests will come on the show 
and then we will go do a day in the life vlog of them. Oh, uh, cool. And then kind of connect the two videos. So it's, you know, what they talk about, what they do there, it's, you know, you're kind of just sitting here. And then there we can get the B-roll and the actual footage. And at that point, when you're creating content and reels and clips, it can blend together. So mm. it's trying to synergize that. I just don't have the bandwidth. We filmed one, and the filming alone took like two weeks because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And then the editing was like another month because we didn't know what we we're doing and going back and reshooting. So, I mean, I give a lot of respect to vloggers out there at that level. It's, it's not easy. It's definitely not an easy mm. job. Um, to jump back to, let's say, your support group, the vloggers, this community is primarily most of you now are located in Bangkok. Yeah. Um, there's not too many on this island. There's one, uh, Richie Maybella down south. Is there any politics in, in this, this group where, you know, don't talk to that fuckhead because of X, Y, Z? No, and, and it's really funny because, like, I mean, everyone thinks that we're competition, in competition with each other, but it's not the case at all, you know? It's almost more of a community. Um, so, yeah, no egos, no... Um, I, mean, I mean, we'll talk about, like, we sit around and gossip and stuff like that, um, but no, there's no egos or anything. Yeah, who's, uh, I mean, well, we'll, we'll throw, no, we won't throw Esquire under the building. We saw Esquire, okay, whatever, fuck it. I saw Esquire, <laughs> he originally blew up Pearly G and these girls in Icy. I'm like, I've always wondered, he brings them on and then what happens behind closed doors and then, anyways, that's uh, it. That, I mean, that's the question I get asked that, all the time as well, you know, like, got all these girls in your videos and stuff and. Yeah, there. Well, there. I guess the original. Then she became your girlfriend. So I mean, that that first video, um, the girl with the pink hair, K. Yep. Uh, you kind of end the vlog where you're like, lights are on in your apartment, and you're like, yeah, we're gonna keep drinking and just like shut. The, I, I think most people's imagination understood what's going yeah, on there. Yeah. Um, are there any vloggers or even content? outside of youtube or directors like anything that you kind of take from to apply to when you're doing whether you're filming or you're editing who who do you benchmark or who do you look up to i mean i'm a massive fan of casey neistat it's probably it's, it's very evident in my videos um my earlier videos i tried to just directly copy everything he did um but i i still love that style and that's what i wanted to do here when i was looking at um, like the travel space, like travel videos here. I love B-roll. I like, I, do, I, I would ideally not talk in my videos because I enjoy the shooting of B-roll. I like looking at it. I like cutting it to music and everything. Um, so yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. Casey Neistat, I've watched everything he's done countless times. Yeah, that B-roll footage, I, I used to be a skateboarder. I have a skateboard here. I think I'm about... 90 kg I, I feel like i need to lose five to get back on the thing or my knees will give out yeah um but it kind of that vlog has that uh yeah that old toy machine video feel to it where they throw in that b-roll that's old cky you know here's your content and you know let's roll it over with the b-roll mm -hmm. with some music does that also derive as well from like skate videos because that's where your passion comes yeah, from yeah 100 percent um you know as a kid i would watch skate videos i was into dirt bikes and and i'd watch all these videos and just like idolize the people in them. And I wanted to be, like I used to make videos of me like riding my BMX around and stuff. Um, and, and that's a big part of why, like the style of my videos. And, and when I watch other YouTubers, like I don't want to listen to people talking all the time. I, I want to see, especially if you're traveling, um, you know, I've got a trip to Japan coming up and I've been trying to find, just like looking through mm -hmm. Japanese vloggers um, and 
Yeah, it's just like, I just want to see the city. I don't want to listen to you or your story. I just want to see where I'm going to get excited about it. Yeah, and I think every viewer that, you know, indulges in YouTube, they all have what they're looking for. And there's always an audience for somebody. Do you engage with your community? Maybe not just in the comments. It could be by email. Have you ever had any close encounters or good relationships just from, let's say, the audience connecting with you? Yeah, I mean, I've made friends. Um, but, you know, the it, it's, a, it's a really tricky thing because at the beginning, you're so grateful for everyone that, that follows you. I used to reply to every comment, reply to every email, um, you know, answer DMs and stuff like that. And it, and it gets to a point, it gets a little bit, overwhelming and kind of suffocating um i don't answer dms anymore i don't answer personal emails mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who just email saying like hey can we get together and have a beer or something um and and when you do the type of content that i do i understand that the the audience builds a relationship with you and they think they know you well they do know you to a certain extent um and and they start to feel like a friend you know i get the funniest texts sometimes people are like hey bro i'm in town i'm in bangkok it's like how, like on Instagram. Like yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and I have no idea who this person is. And it was like, am I supposed to be excited? Like this is a a, a weird thing to deal with. But um, yeah. And uh, I guess back to the question, are there any good friends that have come from that that you can still say you're close with? Yeah, yeah, I made, made a whole lot of friends. I actually, I did a meetup so a couple of weeks ago. And it's something I don't think I ever really wanted to do. And I'd sort of put it off, but I had... Uh, a friend buy a steak in a bar and she's like can you just help me sort of promote it or something and I was like yeah cool I'm like well I'll hold a little meet up there so I gave it like 24 hours notice it was in Pattaya and 100 people showed up so it, it was really cool and I enjoyed it way more than I expected to were there any strange encounters no I haven't had any you know like and, and I get a lot of troll troll messages and stuff like I've blocked like 600 people um but I've never had anyone say anything to you. Yeah, they won't actually come up to your face. I mean, everyone gets trolls, just block, delete. Walk yeah, away. I mean, every now and then I give like a smart-ass response and then let it sit there for a little bit. So I give all smart-ass responses. Like, I just I fuck with them. I'm like, all right, let's go. Um, I give my address too. Good luck. <laughs> um, yeah, I was talking to like Chris Parker as well about this, and he said, the, and it's pretty much going off your point earlier, people will come up to you and they'll say, hey, man, how's it going? And what he was saying was they don't realize you don't know who they are. Mm. Because they've, you know, digested so much of your content, they feel they know who you are. Can, can you relate to that? Yeah, 100%. And, like, I find that, um, you know, when, when I hang out with other YouTubers, like, the first time I met Patty, like, when we were hanging out, I was like, oh, I feel like I've known this guy forever. So I, I experienced that as well. So I totally understand that. Um, it, it can be weird. At first, and then like I've just gotten so used to just having like a one-sided one conversation. Like when I meet people, I can just talk about stuff that they'll understand, you know, talk, talk about my friends or what I'm doing that day. So And you, you connect as well because it's the same type of industry you're in. Yes, business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, see, I have a little filter. My tip, let's see if you'll use it. I shouldn't even announce that because I'm now going to get called out for it. But basically, I don't want to respond to DMs because I have in the past. Mm. And then a conversation starts. That's, that's and then exactly. you can't get out of it. So my response is to DMs, 
and it depends like if they if i want okay this is a cool fan let's keep them rolling i just respond in broken written english this is brendan's assistant sharon sorry uh, he can contact you later and every time they reply i'm just rip right again he is a way i tell him this way like you don't fuck them off and like if that. anyone's watching this sorry that's what it is but it's i have engaged and then you can't get out of it that's right and and so so many of the times people ask me a, a question and it's like god i could answer that for you really quickly and really easily but it's gonna escalate to the point where you're texting me like what are you doing or sending me photos of, like i've had with someone and he's like starts sending me photos of his, photos of his lunch it's like fuck off you know yeah like i i wanted to help you with the one thing but i just i wanted to end there and it you just can't do that right yeah, I think edu maybe educating the audience as well and how to... That that could be an interesting video. Uh, I'm sure people give you... Hey, I, I got an idea for you. We get this all the time. I got a guest for you. And then you look and you're like, who the fuck is this homeless guy? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but educating the audience on how to interact with the, 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 the creator. Mm. Um, and it's more or less... I, I, I've said off camera, but it's... You, if, imagine a thousand people responded to you and you had a thousand, you would get nothing done that day. Yeah, that's right. So it's like, it's not that you're trying to be rude. It's just, you don't, you're, you're very, very busy. As and well. it's, it's good to sort of disconnect yourself a little bit as well as a creator. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, you recently disconnected yourself and then kind of, you came back and we're, I don't know if we, we talked about that, but we cut back in. So we'll go back to that point. Um, and, as you come back in, things get a bit rusty because maybe you haven't touched the camera in, in a while. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, well, I, I've never switched off. You know, I've been doing it sort of coming on two years now and it's been pretty much every day, right? Um, so I haven't taken any time off and it was really nice to do it. You know, I was back in Australia with family and it's rare to get the whole family together. So we were all together and... You know, I really enjoyed that time and it was just nice to put the camera down and not even think about it and just enjoy the family time. Um, and then, yeah, coming back, first video was a little rough. It's like you can't talk all of a sudden, but back in the swing of it now. Yeah, I listened to a, a recent podcast with Daniel Negrano and Lex Friedman and I kind of could connect that maybe to content creators. Uh, Daniel Negrano would say something, okay, I'll do the World Series of Poker Tour. I'm basically, it's 10 days, 12 hours a day. And at the very end, he said, I'm burnt out. I don't want to play poker. And if I don't want to play poker, I can't do that. I don't have the itch. I don't have the drive. As he stepped away from the game, he would start to get an itch about two, three weeks later. And that's kind of the creative processes within himself to drive him back to, you know, go back to his... his what he, his love is and what his, his business is. Did you feel that itch when you left and you're like, okay, I want to get back into it? Yeah, I did. You know, I, like I really enjoy making videos. You know, it's what I'm passionate about. Um, and just the experiences that come along with it, you know, like it, it forces me to have a good day every day um, You because know, it is a kind of like a responsibility in that way. So I, I just miss the fun that comes along with making the videos. Do you ever feel the pressure because... YouTube is the almighty Lord and you have to produce one video a week or however, how often you were producing them and putting them out. And just some weeks you're like, I don't want to do it this week, but I got to. Did you ever get that feeling? Not really. Um, I put a little bit less pressure on myself because I was doing daily, like every single day. 
and I, I did put pressure on myself to get the video out every day. It, like I've got the editing and everything down now. I can sort of knock out a video in like two hours, uh, sometimes even quicker. So the process isn't that difficult for me. But towards the end of the year, if there was a day I didn't feel like making a video, I'm like, I'm just not going to make a video today. Um, I didn't make one yesterday. So, yeah, I just put a little bit less pressure on, on myself now. Yeah, because I'm assuming as well, like, this is it. This is your job. This is how you're, you're generating revenue. For anyone out there that doesn't want to have that part-time job and they want to be a full-time you, uh, YouTube vlogger or just making content on YouTube... Can you explain the process of how you went about monetizing your channel beyond just uh, like YouTube ads? Um, what it's a, uh, it's really funny because when you start making good money, then all the opportunities come along. And it's like oh, I needed these back when I wasn't earning anything. But um, you know, sponsorships are, are a great one. You can earn really good money for those little sixty-second integrations, um, and then. Also, like product reviews is something I, I quite enjoy. You know, I've been sent a couple of headphones, some translators, a drone. Yeah, I saw the kettle. The, the time the kettle, yeah. Time kettle. Um, and that's fun because, like, you can make a video out of it, get paid for it, um, and they're, they, they're usually a fun thing to do, just something different. Are you able to share, like, what they would pay? I know this is kind of a, like, a... Uh, a taboo question. Are you able to share, like, what typically, if someone made you do an unboxing of a product like what are you going to generate from that maybe in terms of Thai bot are you able I mean, to share I mean I, I don't mind sharing the the figures so you know for the like say the drone for example they sent me the drone uh, and they paid me 500 bucks to review it I think I'll, I'll do something like that for 500 dollars um, all those uh, the the translators and all that stuff sort of around that five, 500 to a thousand dollars is where I'm at at the moment um, for, for brand deals so the, the better ones, like the reads and stuff, are, are about about $1,000, mm -hmm. US dollars. Um, and it just sort of, yeah, it just depends on what your average video views are. As so so you're, you're generating revenue, obviously, from YouTube ads, but that's never, I'm assuming, it's never like breaking the bank there. Um, and then you're getting read reviews, product reviews. What else are you doing to kind of be able to, again, just do YouTube full time? Well, the, the ad revenue is surprisingly good. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, my my best month, I think, was like 6000 US dollars. Oh, I, I, I was surprised. I didn't think ad revenue was it could get mm. that high. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. So, I average about $5 for every 1,000 views. Yeah. Um, average video views across the channel are over 20,000. So, if you're doing the content all the time, like, that's a big thing of doing daily. You're getting paid every day, so... You, you can make great money from that. And then when you combine it with the brand deals, yeah, it can be, it can be surprisingly lucrative. And especially living in Thailand as well. Yes. You, I mean, that kind of money in Thailand, I think if we were to frame that question of my experience, first of all, there's no way you can live in Thailand for $1,000 a month. This is absolute ludicrous. I feel like you could. You, could. you think? It's, oh, you could, but I don't think you're going to enjoy it. Meaning like you would have to pay, let's call it 10000 for rent. 3000 for electricity, that's 13. Let's call it, you got 35. So you got 15,000 left for the rest. I mean, you can blow that one night in Patong. Yeah, well, you're living a very different lifestyle. <laughs> okay, that's what I mean. If you wanted to live, you know, if you ate Thai food every day, or even, I think eating Thai food and doing your groceries is probably going to be quite similar in terms of cost. Mm. Um, 
but you got your motorbike, you got, and then you have miscellaneous expenses. Thirty five thousand baht a month to live off of. It's at the end of the month, you're gonna have zero for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, what do you think is kind of the fair value to someone coming to move to Thailand of what they kind of would need to budget to live, you know, a normal lifestyle? I, I would say like at least two thousand a month. Yeah. Um, but then. You can spend a lot of money here, like you said. Like, I'm spending way too much, but like, you know, some months, some months spend like four or five, six thousand dollars, and it's like a lot of time don't. It's like drinking is is a huge part of it. Like, it's not cheap to go out drinking here. You know, it's a a misconception that like everything in Thailand is really cheap. And I was out last night paying two hundred baht for a beer. Like, that's like eight dollars. Or yeah, so it, it can go quick, um, but I think. I think $2,000 is a good sort of base level. You could live quite a basic lifestyle and still go out a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's you just, you're not going to beach clubs. You're not spending yeah. 10,000 baht getting bottles. You're not hitting that, that level. But most English teachers here, let's say they're working at Thai English schools, they're getting about 35, 40 in Phuket. And from what I've known of them doing that job, it's like just enough to scrape by mm. and budgeting. Um, do you... The people you're hanging out with in Bangkok, is it only YouTubers? Do you have friends from all sorts of walks of life? I know you're into skateboarding as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, it's most, the guys are mostly YouTubers. Um, I, I've found it really hard to make friends with Thai guys. Um, it's just harder to, to meet them in the first place. But like when I started skating again, I've been able to meet Thai guys that way. Mm -hmm. um, but it has been, yeah, there was much more challenging than I expected. Whereas, like, when I lived in Korea, I was completely integrated. Um, all my friends were Korean. I spoke Korean. I lived much more of a Korean culture, lifestyle there. Whereas I find here, living in Thailand, you live in this, like, gray zone of, you know, half Thai culture, half West, Western culture. Mm. You know, you, you, could, you can live here and not speak a word of Thai. Why do you think there's that difference in, in culture and, and also being able to connect with them? I mean, this is a very tourist, like there's so, so much tourism here, right? So people speak English. In Korea, if you walk into a 7-Eleven, they, they just speak to you in Korean. It's like, it's up to you to understand or not. So it's, it's tough to get by on just English there. Um, so I put a lot of effort into learning the language. Um, it's much easier language to learn than Thai. Thai is super difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I was much more integrated and I was really interested in living the Korean culture because it's something, yeah, that excited me. Yeah, Korea is, I, I, I love Seoul. I find it's, it reminds, have you been to Taipei? Oh, briefly. Okay. Like I was Ta just there for I, an overnight. Taipei, Hong Kong, uh, Seoul, these cities, they kind of, they're very similar in terms of like that, the, I don't want, there's not as big as wealth gap there for sure there is but there's people that are living a very high standard of living and also the cleanliness and the, the culture and the way they move around especially if you're on these go trains or whatnot like that or the, the subway uh, it's very similar mm. um, Thailand if we were to compare like living in South Korea to living in uh, well, living in, you're living in Seoul? Yes. Living in Seoul and living in Bangkok, what are some of the differences for people that have no idea of Asian culture? Um, so, it's like, firstly, getting around. You know, like, Seoul has the most incredible subway, like, probably one of the best in the world. Like, the, there's subway stations literally everywhere. Um, 
great underground network. It's like the whole city is really new. Um, so getting around there is really easy using the subway. Whereas Bangkok, it can be really challenging, especially with the traffic. And it's getting worse. Like it's like constantly getting worse, the traffic in Bangkok. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big difference. And just also, you know, I, t- I talk about that, that gray zone of living like half Asian, half Western culture. You very much live that in Bangkok, whereas in Korea, that's just like, it's not an option. Yeah, China was like that as well for me. It's, that's why I could speak Chinese. Mm. It's same thing. You go to the 7-Eleven, not a single word. It's, yeah. you, got, you have to learn. You want to take a taxi, you have to learn. Have to learn, yeah. You have said in recent interviews and on your channel that you thrive in these cities. You love you know, the hustle and bustle. Mm. A place like South Korea and, or Seoul and Bangkok, they're very different controlled chaos. Yes, but you can thrive in both. Is there one or the other that you, you know, uh, appreciate more? You know, it, it's really funny because I never planned to live here long term. This was just sort of like a stepping stone. And I, and I have, I, I've been here a bunch of times. I traveled like seven or eight times before I lived here. And I really did fall in love with, with this place. The Seoul, Seoul has a special place in my heart. I absolutely love that city. And I find it just... Everything interests me. You know, I walk down the street. I'm like, oh, the streets are beautiful. I like the shops. I like the the LED lights everywhere, you know. So Bangkok, it, it crept up on me, and I, and I like it way more than I ever expected to. Yeah, Seoul is an interesting – I loved in the university city. We, we When we were playing hockey, I was playing hockey in Seoul as well, and they have those, like – uh, themed hotel rooms. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And that was the university town and you leave and uh, the bars are there and there's like, literally you're bar hopping and like playing in batting cages. It's like a theme park in the bar. Do you know this area? Mm. Yeah, Hongdae? I, I couldn't remember. It's yeah. not, it's not, e- I, we did go to Itaewon, but it wasn't this. It's the university area. Yeah, Hongdae. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I thought I really enjoyed Seoul. That's a place I would go back. I would, li- I want to live there eventually but maybe just like the right months, the right time, because it gets cold there. I mean, winter is, I lived in Taiwan, it's freezing cold as well. Um, Let's jump more into the mind of Adam Jones, and first let's open it up. Where does the name come from? Keys one. So so Keys is a nickname I got. um, Stupid story. So the first time I ever smoked weed, I was with a bunch of friends and um, we were smoking weed, and the rule was, you know, no one drives. So put your car keys in a bowl at at the front door, um, and I was smoking, getting high, and then, I'd, like, I'm very aware all the time, and I was like, at one point, I was like, oh, shit, I've lost my keys, and I'm thinking they're in the couch, and I'm looking for them, and my mate's like, they're at the, at the bowl by the door. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And about 10 minutes later, I start doing the same thing. I'm like, fuck, I've lost my keys. And, and again, I did it. I think I did it, like, three times or four times. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, the keys are at the, at the bowl. And I'm like, God, yeah, 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 yeah. Then it just sort of, every time I made some like, oh, where are your keys now, sort of thing. And it, it just kind of stuck. I got a yeah. key, key necklace on. and um, So, yeah, I just, Keys was my nickname. And then Keys 1, give it a bit of a hip-hop ah, okay. type thing. So, like. Like uh, and th- one. That was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was my, my Instagram was that. And then it just sort of, everything grew around that. Like, like I, I got TikTok just to keep the name, just have the name Keys 1, you know, so no one else would have it. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's just what the YouTube channel was called. Yeah, okay. Well, have, have you told that story before on any of your vlogs? Uh, I don't know if I told it on my vlogs. Uh, I've told it on live streams a couple of times. Okay. 
Um, well, we'll clip that. We'll make a reel. Everyone's going <laughs> to. There we go. There's, there's the answer. Um, maybe some more of the dark and disturbing questions. As you progress in life, I mean, do you see yourself vlogging till you're 90 years old? I, I, like, no. But I would like to think that I'll still make videos for many, many years. You know, I still love it, enjoy it. And I like, I like watching them. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of my own content. I, I, I love rewatching old videos to relive the memories. So where I'm going, I have no idea. Um, and I don't care. I'm just, I'm along for the ride and I'm, I'm having a whole lot of fun. Would you create time capsule content that would only be released after your death? That, that is a dark question. Um, that's kind of cool. I, I've given that no thought. Um, stuff like that's cool. What, what I think is cool about making these videos is like someone might want to watch it in 50 years. Like imagine if, you, if someone had a daily life channel or, or made daily life videos a hundred years ago and you could, you could watch that now. Like that'd be fascinating. So, um, and then, I mean, and then you, this is a way to live on in the ether as you never die. That some, uh, Mr. Beast was talking about that on, uh, that's where I kind of took this question from. I'm like, I'm going to ask this to other people that are making content. And he was asked that he, he, he wants to do this idea where he'll make so much content at one point in his life and not release anything. And only release it when he dies. And that content will be able to survive for 10 years. So you can continue to watch him after. Um, do you fear death? Do you fear any of this moving forward in life? I mean, especially living in Asia where our perception and understanding of death changes from the Western world. Yeah. And you know, like you do st stupid things here all the time. Like I get on the back of a motorbike with no helmet, you know, I hate it. I spent my whole life on bikes. I know how easy it is to come off. And I've had tons of crashes uh, on dirt bikes. So, you know, definitely you do things here that, that lower your life expectancy. Um, taking bikes in Bangkok is one. And just, you know, I, I'd, I'd never seen a dead person before I came to Thailand. And I've seen way too many. here. You know, you see bike accidents all the time. The roads are insane. So, yeah. Yeah, you start to get that connection. Same with death, I mean, I've seen it too. You and it's there's something in our DNA that you know you drive by these motorbike accidents, and you say don't look, don't look, but you always look. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you look, you're like, I should have not seen that. That's like deep embedded in my mind. Um, have Have you come across? You said you have seen death. Can you elaborate on that? Um, yeah, a couple like a couple really stand out to me. I a guy died. Meet your way. Um, so I was on the sidewalk and this guy was, he was riding the wrong way up the road, um, up the wrong side of the road at night with no helmet, no headlight, and just like, you know, along the sidewalk. And then as a car was coming in the other direction, he's just turned. I don't know if he didn't see the car or what happened, but this car didn't even break, just collected him at like probably 80 Ks an hour. Um, he was going 80. The car was going 80. Oh, and just shit. like hit the dude on the bike and the guy just went flying. Like he would have died instantly. Um, and that was just like, holy shit, that just happened. Um, Did you stop for that and like check anything? Or were you like, was there nothing like... Uh, like people came running because it was right near a night market. Everyone just like sort of went running over yeah. and I was with a girl and she just like freaked out. So I was just sort of like comforting her. I, I knew, I was like, don't go look at that. Like that, that guy's dead. Like there's no way... No way he could survive that. So, 
that was one. And, you know, just the roads are so dangerous. When we were doing, doing road trips, like every single day you see crazy accidents. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, they, they, they really drive crazy. And Phuket apparently is, has the highest, like, motorbike death rate in the world. Which I completely understand. It's now I would say every single time it's the person's fault most of the time, and I think a lot with the tourists is let's say they're Russian, they forget that we're on the left side of the road. So when they pull out, they they start to look the wrong way, right? Yeah, and then they pull out and it's too late. And I've seen this especially here. This roundabout's a nightmare. Are you on a motorbike? Did you rip up here? No, or? no, no. Okay, how'd you just grab or I got a just got a taxi from. Just got a taxi. I was trying to get a bolt. It took. Was taking forever, so yeah. Right now, for taxis, bolt grab everything, it's just so jam packed, and everyone's canceling. And essentially, it's just the drivers going, "I don't know if I want to go there." Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I wanted to I I I wanted to try this new segment on the podcast. Let's see how quickly I can pull this up. It might work. I I didn't I didn't want to pre test it just in case it does work. Um, AI technology is coming out, and I think AI is going to help all of our businesses extremely well are, are you do you have your eyes on ai do you see how yeah, you could use it in your business i'm in my business i mean it's it's so ai can probably eventually edit my videos for me right exactly how i would do them yeah there's certain ai tech that i think um it's good for scripting amazing for scripting we're going to use chat GPT. I've never tried this before, but this is the first time doing it on the show for this segment. I don't even know if it's going to work. I'm just going to type it in. I'm going to ask it, give me the top three questions to ask YouTuber keys one. And they're going to try to pull it from your YouTube and they're going to have questions. And then I'm going to ask you those. Fascinating. Okay, Let's yeah, see. This is our first AI interview question. Cool. Okay. So, uh, What are the top Three questions. Oh, let's change it to interview. Interview questions. What are the top three interview questions to ask YouTuber? Spelling mistake. YouTuber. It it'll might just, not even work. It'll we'll just get, pull from my comments. Everyone. I'm gonna ask yeah. visa questions. Let's see what happens. <laughs> top three. Ah, let's let's make it more creative. What are the top three personal? This this is where you can get very, very creative. What are the top three personal interview questions to ask YouTuber K's one? And let's let's get a little bit more descriptive. From the voice of... Uh, I was going to say Liam Nielsen, but I don't know how to spell that. How do you spell Liam Nielsen? Liam... Let, let, I just want to see, and then I'll try to do it in his voice. <laughs> let's see. Uh, Neeson... Nielsen. Yeah, Neeson. I know. Now I, hey, you know what? I just learned something. It's Nielsen. I always thought it was Nielsen. Okay, we're learning. Nielsen, Liam Nielsen. Let's see if they can do that. Okay, and we're going to hit enter. If anyone's listening, let's see what they're going to ask. It's generating. It is generating. Okay. We're going to remove this Liam Nielsen part because I think it fucked it up a bit. Confusing it. Yeah, we'll just go back. But it did ask uh, interview questions related to that, but it's pretty much stuff we've already asked. But we'll ask. I'll pick one then. Can you? 
like what what are the questions uh, i was kind of creative process stuff okay okay so i'll pick i'll pick one uh oh okay i got one it's it's pretty accurate okay well we'll just ask one because i think three will take a bit of time so one of the questions from chat gpt um i typed in what are the top three personal interview questions to ask youtuber oh they removed that sorry let's fix that sorry we're this is uh our first time so we got some technical difficulties they removed case one so let's try that again keys one keys one uh save submit okay here we go uh blah blah let's see that one's okay uh Okay, so it, it's it's okay. It's not as, like, I thought it would get more detailed to you. They're more general YouTube questions, so we'll just ask one, and I'm going to try this on uh, one of the segments on every episode, and maybe one day. I, I You can type some things in here. You can really pull it out. Okay, so the question we'll ask is, what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced as a YouTuber, and how have you overcome them? So it's very general. Yeah. I mean, the challenge is, is just trying to understand it at the beginning. You know, how does the algorithm work? And, and try and... There's so much trial and error. Um, so, so for me, it's all the challenges are just the little things, you know. How do I, how do I get in the algorithm? How do I show up? What, why is this video doing well? Why is this video tanking? Um, and that's where the support group <laughs> comes in handy. You know, having other YouTuber friends and... You know, we've got a group chat that we're always bouncing things off, um, bouncing ideas off each other. You know, there's this new thing with shorts. Um, no one knew. It's like a, a short's going to have a positive or a negative impact on the channel. Um, and it's, you know, friends of mine would experiment with it and then you know, we, we share all the results. And um, being open as well, you know, in our support group, we, we talk money, we talk analytics, we share everything because that's the only way you're going to learn. Um so yeah, the challenges, there's just like so many little ones, just learning how to be a better creator and having having a good bunch of people around you that can sort of help help you learn. Do you think that deteriorates the creative process where you start, you know, creating your content to please the YouTube gods and maybe not please yourself? I, I think, yeah, that, and that's why I very forcefully stay away from, you know, planning content. I sort of, I, I want the content to, to be about my day um, because yeah, that can be really draining and, and put a lot of pressure on yourself too. Yeah. And you see that from YouTubers. I, I know bringing it back up with Chris Parker, they kind of explain like they don't do it often, but they'll do it once every two months where, okay, let's do the $5 challenge. Mm -hmm. But it's only because those videos do so well that, you know, let's grow that audience. Yeah. Um, speaking on the shorts, I, we jumped on the shorts, I don't know, four or five months ago this probably doubled or at least 25% subscribers. They're coming from shorts, which is very interesting. The only strange thing is you can't choose your thumbnails on the shorts, which I think is a bit weird. I think, I think they're about to change that. They though. need to change that. Yeah. Because yeah. I used to do shorts on Instagram, sorry, reels on Instagram for this Muay Thai and mushrooms type of Muay Thai account I made. We were playing around with it. And what I found in that algorithm was all like I had some many videos that had million a million plus views on Instagram from a reel. And it's like I found out, okay, I used if I use this hip hop sound 
and I'm filming someone just taking a clip of someone getting kicked in the head, even if they're not about to get kicked in the head, it could be like sparring. Mm. And the thumbnail is the kick about to connect. And I stopped it there and the video was less than six seconds. And I played around with it. Some views, six seconds, a million, seven seconds, like 200,000. And then I would just test it out. It was really interesting stuff on the analytics side. And I think it's just the algorithms know what the audience is looking for. And then mm. they kind of dictate the content. Of and, it. and it's fun to learn that, you know, like I, I enjoy the experimenting, the trial and error and everything. Um, you know, and there, there's so much of that at the beginning. Um, when, when I was doing sort of, it's like, is daily content the best way to do it? You know, and experiment with every second day. And, you know, I, I enjoy that creative process. And are you releasing your, like, videos on YouTube at the same time when you do it every yeah, time? Yeah, I've always done... What time is time? that? 6.45, Thailand time. Thailand time. And you just find... Is there a huge drop-off if you did it at 3 p.m. or 9 p.m.? Um, I just don't get that initial hit. And that can sometimes set your video up so, like I've, I've done ones at, at weird times and if they don't get that big hit at the beginning the video doesn't perform well right um and i think just people knowing that it's the same time all the time everyone jumps on and tries to comment first like there's a, a little competition thing each day and it's fun um i guess it comes back to traditional te uh, broadcasting television you got a show you watch it at 7 p.m on yeah. wednesday and that's when you're expecting it to come out yeah right yeah. What's the next evolution of your of Keys One? Are you going to get outside of the daily vlogging? Do you, are you getting the itch to try something new? Uh, I I really don't know. Um, this year, I plan to you know be making a lot of content, uh, travel to some new countries. We've got a trip to Japan coming up, which I'm really excited about. Um, but I don't I don't know where the future is. Um, I'm just enjoying where it's taking me. And, and that really aligns with this Thailand Buddhist mentality. They really live in the present. Mm. Um, were you always like that? Were you always kind of, I'm going to live in the present. I don't have a plan, but let me do this now. Since I left Australia, like back when I was working, I was, I was much more of a planned person. But I, 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 I enjoy like spontaneity and just not knowing the future. I... You know, people say like, "What's your five-year plan?" It's like, shit, I don't know, and I don't really want one. I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily a good thing because, if, like, in five years' time, I want to look back at what I was thinking now and be like, I'm way smarter than that. You know, whereas like, if you set up a five-year plan and you just do all those things, you don't have that time to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's I try to set goals but keep them pretty loose, mm -hmm. and and otherwise you put too much pressure on yourself as well. I think and. With that pressure, then you stop to enjoy the process. Yeah, that's right. Um, what What is next for you today? Now, you're creating your content. You came on here. Could you give us kind of like a, um, you know, a build up to what this video might look like in the day of the life of coming to this podcast and what you're doing after? So today, look, I'm hungover as hell, to be honest. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to go out last night. Went out last night. I had a super late night. So... Um, <laughs> I'll, the story for today will loosely be around that. Um, just sort of, yeah, me a haggard mess this morning trying to trying to get my act together to come onto a podcast. Yeah, I see. I, I told you. I said I've done them. I've done about ten hungover, and it's, I like. I remember I did one with a friend, and I, she was just like, when the camera was on her, I was just like, and come back to me, and I tried to get gather it. It's very painful because mm. your brain is just trying to pull information, and it's just like 
words are not coming together. Ugh. Well, I've I, like I've done a, like a lot of my videos. I was hungover for. Yeah. Um, I can always sort of sort of like slap it together, but yeah, yeah. I, I I haven't thought that far ahead yet for the rest of the day. So I'd love to go for a swim. The beach down here is incredible. So yeah, Surin is great. It's it's calm now. In the high season, it's deathly. Like I um, that's oh back to that. I've seen a like a ten year old kid drown there from like here to that fucking shit. Well, I was uh, that story is. It's the quick story is basically like he, I went to go about look in and by the time I got there, like there was no body. So like by the time the lifeguards got there, because nobody knew the kid was probably playing with the friends, jumped in and then probably 15 minutes went by. Mm. And basically by the end, like he was wherever he jumped in, he was floating under the water, like hundred meters away. So I saw them like, throw him on the sea to him, bringing him into shore. And I just fucking walked away. I'm like, I can't see that. Yeah, There's man. no way. And he must've been under for like 20 minutes. And you just saw, it, it was sad because it was his uncle and the kid was from like Nakon Si Tamarat and just visiting. So the uncle is just like panicking and it's like, oh my God, this is uh that this ocean here on, on this side, Surin during the July months, it is mental like the waves can be two three meters right. the surf is crazy but yeah i you know i used to surf i've got a lot of respect for the ocean um and mother nature like because it's so powerful um you know i see people just like i mean the beaches here aren't too bad but so people just like run into the beach and there's there's a current you can clearly see there's a current it's like fuck, it's so dangerous yeah, and you can't fight. I li actually, it's funny. I used to live in Australia. I lived on the Gold Coast, oh, uh, cool. Southport. I was just at university, Griffith University, for a year, and I got caught in a rip out there. And that's here is nothing like Australia was insane. That yeah. rip, I was generally scared for my life. Yeah, yeah, Luckily, yeah. I was with an Australian friend, and he taught me how to get out of it. Most people try to fight it, and he's like, and then you get tired, and you don't realize like it sucked us out a hundred meters in like seconds. Yeah, and we didn't. You don't. Sometimes you don't know you're in it. And then you just had to kind of panic, a slow, not panic, slowly get out. But Yeah, I, I took this boat ride in Krabi, um, and it was insane. Like, there was, like, waves breaking. It was on one of those long tail boats, and there was, like, waves breaking over the bow of the boat. And I was shitting myself on this boat ride because I was like, if, if this boat capsizes, like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the, the power of the ocean, you know, especially if you land somewhere, like, you may think, oh, I'll just swim to the nearest island, but the current may be taking you the other way. It's not... It's not up to you. Yeah, at that point, you're kind of just floating for your life. You can't. When I mean, have you have you done scuba diving before? No, I've never done scuba diving. I really oh, want to. They, well, living in Thailand, it's definitely one of the best. The Samelian Islands is the best. So if you ever get a chance, I would suggest do a live aboard. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe do an open water in Koh Tao or Koh Phi Phi. Get your open water, but you need advance for the live aboard in Samelian. It is like. A, trill, a Saudi Arabian trillionaire chic, like, aquarium. You can't even just, like, describe it. And I've been diving for about five years. After I saw that, it's, like, it's the number one. There's nothing else better than that. Mm. So if you're here and you get that a chance, it's, again, it's only between, I think, November to May because of the, the, the currents and the waves. I mean, the, stor the stormy season comes in. And just stay on the board. Uh, you stay on the boat for two nights. It's enough. They'll give you eight dives. But wow, it's spectacular out on Samelian. Unreal. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, but again, the same thing when you're fighting the waves and the current. If you're doing it diving, like they call it drift diving, where you kind of just hop in the water and there could be like a, a wall reef and you just follow it. If you can, if you turn around and try to fight it, you're not fighting it. You're actually just staying in one spot. Yeah, that's insane. Um, okay, before what time are we? We're probably near the end. One hour. Oh, perfect time. We try to keep it under, I got that right on. We try to keep it under 119. That's what we're seeing as the podcasting video like sweet spot. Uh, before we wrap it up, um, understanding a little bit about like your family side and you, the family back home, and what are their thoughts on this lifestyle change you, you've made initially? What were their thoughts and how do they respond to it today? I'm really lucky that I've got super supportive parents. Um, and when I told them, I wanted to like move overseas and do something crazy. They were like, oh, that's, that's cool. Like, go for it. They sort of s supported me. I think they were nervous for sure. But, you know, my mentality moving overseas was always that like if it doesn't work out and I run out of money, you just come back and start again, right? Like I had a good resume. I felt like I could have gotten another job straight away. Um, so, yeah, I was never really that concerned making that huge jump. Um, and and they've, they've been behind me the whole time. And they think it's awesome now, you know. It's um, they're really happy. I'm making a living from this, and they can see I'm happy. You know, I just I think last year was without without question the best year of my life. Um, so what? Why? Why was it the best year? I just had so much fun. You know, like it, it, it's a dream lifestyle. You know, just the making the videos. I've got awesome friends. I just I just have fun every single day. You know, it's like. Like being on a holiday every day. Yeah, I've I've never thought of it from this perspective, but the creating this vlog content every day. I mean, yeah, you can look back at to it, look back at it when you're older, but it also forces you to get out of the house mm. instead of yeah, today I might just go to the gym, maybe go to the beach and just yeah. chill out in the house. But this one's like I got to get outside and and interact with the world and go, and go do something cool. Yeah, right and. You can't really get that. Like that's that's kind of your pressure. It's pushing you outside as well. Um, no, that's 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 interesting. Okay, um, we're just gonna wrap it up. Uh, I will thank you for watching, everyone. But I'm gonna kick it back to this is your camera here, so you can stare into the the souls of your audience. That is probably who is watching because we don't really have one. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking, and just let everybody know where they can find you, whether that's YouTube, Instagram, all your socials and any things you have coming out and anything you want to plug as well. Cool. So I'm keys one, that's K E I S one, um, on everything. You can sort of just search me every, every social media platform. I have that, um, coming up. I've got a really cool trip to Japan coming up, which I'm super excited about. Japan is my favorite country to visit. Um, I like it so much that I actually don't go there all that often because I don't ever want to get, I never want it to become normal, so I'm super excited for that. Going to spend about a month or close to a month there, so that will be in March. Um, and then just tons more videos coming out. <laughs> yeah, and you can, uh, you'll probably, are you going to be out tonight on Bangla? A little hair on the dog? or I, I definitely, I need to be, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, we should have had some beers on the podcast. When you said you were originally like, yeah, yeah, I won't go out, there's no way you're not going out when you stay in Patong. It's almost impossible. Well, I thought I'd go out and then come back at a reasonable time. When, yeah, it's the same conversation. Hey, let's go for a beer. Yeah. Who has ever gone for one beer in the history of this world? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's never happened. I can't even think of one time I've went out for one beer. Yeah. No, it's impossible. Happen. 
Okay, uh, we're gonna go down to the beach and we're gonna try to film this funny intro. Hans, you're you're interested in it? I'll buy you. Huh? I'll buy you a coconut. All right. Um, if you enjoyed the co content, leave comments. Apparently, that's what helps engagement and like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. I do not know when this is aired, but I guess it doesn't matter because you've already watched it. Okay, we're out. Yeah, that was awesome, dude. Cool. Thanks a lot. How was it? Were you, were you struggling with the hangover again? I, I, I'm telling you, I've done them, and they're just like I did one of like ten minutes.